Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who agrees that a door and a window are basically the same thing. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and, you know, you can... They are both holes in the side either. of your house. They are, they are holes in a house, and households just get bigger over time. Yeah, so. I mean, that's, that's true. That's true. Eventually, the whole house is a hole. I mean, in a manner of speaking, isn't the whole house always kind of a hole? Well, now we're getting existential about what a hole is, and that's more a philosophical question. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for just a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. Ooh, sweet bonus content. Our bonus content is always a non-criterion film, though uh, occasionally it is a movie that eventually becomes a criterion film. Uh, that happened with... Maybe uh, we caused that. Failsafe. Right, maybe we did cause that. Occasionally things get added, and occasionally we do movies that really should never be added to the Criterion Collection, but maybe they will be I mean, someday. Right, uh, but like was a problem. The Will Ferrell kicking and screaming, or... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Or I feel like you do. could make an argument about it being the pinnacle of a very bad kind of movie. <laughs> like being the best version of this very terrible... Like, not the best version, but the most this version version of this thing. Yeah. Like we've we've well, encountered movies just... that I think are in there because of something akin to that. Like this is the most, the most this kind of film this could be. Well, of course, we have encountered plenty of movies so far in the Criterion Collection that were in the Criterion Collection because the guy in charge of picking movies liked it as a kid. Right. Yes. So yes, this is this is a common occurrence. As time marches on, we will go through. A, I mean, I guess eventually we'll have the opportunity yeah, to go yeah. through a wide swath of movies that should not be in the Criterion Collection. Our supporters get to vote on what movie that's going to be, though. There's always a choice of five, four in a theme, and the fifth one is uh, Kazan. Right. Also, the, the, not a great yeah, movie. The, the also, movie. a movie, a movie that will never be in the Criterion Collection. Fingers crossed. Again, I really feel like you keep saying that and you're really, really tempting fate. I feel like you're doing this on purpose. Are you doing I, this on purpose, Adam? With Okay, you've you've caught me. I knew uh, it. Uh with with Kazam, I'm hoping it ends up in the Criterion Collection because then it will force us to choose a different movie. Oh uh, see, yeah, that's uh, a good move. I like the idea that you're trying to yeah. manifest this into the reality now. I I, I agree yeah. with your 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 plan that is the one dollar mark um a little above that for people who can afford it want to help us keep going a little bit more uh five dollars we'd like to thank those folks on air thank you so much to our current five dollar supporters andrew jarrett eric coronado stephen goldmeyer and chris otto thank you above that we do something pretty dang special yeah we do pat makes Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard once a month, write a little personalized thank you note, mail that off. We also like to thank those supporters on there. Thank you so much to Tracy McGrath, Adam Speakerman, Nina Bajnat, Patrick Yako, and Jason Westhaver, our current $10 and above supporters. Very grateful to you all. Yes, we are. If you, if you want to see 
those postcards before committing to the $10 mark. You can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion there, and uh, you can buy past postcards uh, as postcards, as greeting cards, if you want to write a little bit more, as uh, stickers, uh, some wallpaper. Of them as you could use wallpaper. Um, I don't think I don't think Redbubble well, offers. Well, I would wallpaper, like you to consider yeah. the idea that if you buy enough postcards, anything can be wallpaper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make your own. Uh, if you buy enough stickers, they're they're self adhesive wallpaper, and that's even no, better. yeah, no, uh, good point. Mm, now we're thinking. Uh, don't have to don't have to worry about the paste. Uh, <laughs> again, thank you to everyone who has supported the Redbubble store, who has supported us on Patreon. Thank you. For listening. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. This week, we are continuing through the Letters from Fontanhas box set of three films by Pedro Costa. Uh, last week, we talked about Osos from 1997, a more fictionized film, uh, but one starring Vonda Durante, uh, well, one of sort of the three main actors right, in right, it, yeah. is Vonda Durante. Vonda befriended Pedro Costa, our director. Uh, she was a non-actress living in the actual Fontanas neighborhood. Um, and she apparently invited uh, Costa to see her real life. And that led to the creation of the next two films, This Week in Vonda's Room and Next Week, Colossal Youth. See, what I'm... When uh, I'm I, not to sort of derail you already, but like oh, that, that framing is confusing to me because... In sort of like the conception of Osos, it seems like it's supposed to represent real life in this place, but it also kind of makes it sound like he didn't really get to see that until after that film was done to almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very strange framing of what happened. Um, Osos, well, certainly it's not, not as much as in Vonda's room, um, but also, this does not deal with the drug use. No, as it, it implies it, but never really like. Yeah, right. And I think that's that's obviously a major right, right, a major break from what Costa wants to frame as the reality of of this area. And and maybe that's something to unpack. As while this is this is sort of made at the behest of uh, Duarte um, and her family. Uh, it's also, I don't know. It's not really a, this isn't a documentary. No, it reminds right? me, I'm trying to, like the entire time I watched it, it reminded me of some things I've seen before, but I couldn't put my finger on This sort of like not documentary where you sort of just have a camera on around people who are theoretically trying not to engage with it as though it's sort of not there. Um, and sort of go about their daily life, but like clearly, also things are like even the like pages for this movie call it like doc, like what docu fiction, yeah, like that sort of which we we've talked about documentaries and whether or not are all documentaries docu fiction, um, but like it's it's very familiar format, and I don't know where else I've seen it, but I know I've seen it. This like. You, you'll see where you just like watch people like hanging out in a room and like you're supposed to kind of like grasp the sort of the sort of malaise of their life and, and things like that. It's, I don't think this is the first time I've encountered this sort of former, format. But. Well, um, 
I don't know, depending on how, how pithy we're feeling about what that format is, uh, Nanook of the North is... <laughs> Well, right. I mean, absolutely. Well, I mean, the first all, time all we... of them are kind of that effect, right? Like, yeah. Great Gardens is kind of that, right? It all it all right. comes down to like because all documenters are kind of like meant to, in theory, be in the vein of this sort of made up thing that can't exist. Yeah. Right? Well, that's that's interesting. Um, with uh, with Great Gardens, certainly we're dealing with with of the North. It's just all fictionalized, right? right? Um, and maybe I I don't know about the actual people portraying characters in Anarch of the North if they are really I you, uh, I used to know I, there's a whole like, I believe they are. I was in school and I, I believe they it. are actually yes they are but there's uh, a whole bunch of things but, like it there's famously yeah. like entire books written about it I can't remember like I learned about it in school yes. I can't remember at this point like right, when we right. talked about it I remembered because it had only been like ten years ago right. instead of fucking 20 or whatever at this point yes 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 um, um yeah. but they were as i recall um they were inuit people who had been living a fairly modernized westernized life and were being presented in the film as still living a very yes traditional i think there was a life. there was a fair amount of yeah. like hey can you and 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 that's the origin story of of documentaries in a lot of right, right, ways, right, right? Is that like, hey, of like, of course, can you act this way that like meets the sort of perceptions of what the way you're supposed to be acting right now? And 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 they all are like that, right? Like every single one of them is like that. I don't know how we don't we won't know how much of that is going on here or not, right? Because like that's never a thing that they ever reveal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like whenever you're dealing with a right. documentary, you, in the end, what, what, finding out whether or not, uh, how much the director influ, like, perp, excuse me, how much the director purposely influenced the subjects is always a thing that you find out because, like, some tell-all behind the scenes, you know what I mean? Like, somebody eventually reveals. Right, 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 right. It's never, like, the ne- director never comes yeah. out and reveals their biases for example, in the way that like an academic writer would or something like that to right, try to like right. get ahead of it and say like, look, here's what I'm bringing into this. Um, yeah. And with, with gray gardens, it's perhaps a different sort of animal in that the subjects of gray gardens are very clearly trying to use the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, in equal measure to the, uh, to how the creators of Grey Gardens are trying to use, they're right. using, I think it's, it's they're using each other in, in a, a dark symbiosis. Um, yes, um, I agree. Yes. Like that's definitely true. I, I would say that like one has to imagine that if you agree to have like this kind of documentary made about you, you have some sort of personalized, internalized motivation for it, right? Um, right. And so, the Grey Gardens one is just so painfully obvious. Whereas we don't, we don't clearly in something like this, you know, our, our, our subjects do have some sort of pre- like you, you don't just agree to let somebody like film your life for like six months or a year or something without having a reason to say yes to that. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. So one and has to assume that she and the other people like. Rhonda and those others in her room, in her room, in her life, 
must have had their own internalized reasons for why they said yes to it. Because uh, otherwise, anything less of that, we're, we're removing their agency in the process of having a documentary made about them, right? Like, <laughs> it crosses into the line of weird voyeurism where, like, maybe he hid cameras in the wall or something, and that's not what's happening here. Right. So, like, Which is obviously not yes, what happened. Right? And so the question we, right. we, we don't necessarily spend a lot of time on it, but we, we can uh, try to understand why they would say yes. Yeah. Well, if the idea is that Vonda herself invited him to do this. Right. Uh that that changes some things. I and I and my my suspicion would be that it is that like Vonda doesn't necessarily maybe at the time realize that like even what he was making with her didn't accurately necessarily capture the world she actually lived in. And yeah. and and yeah. you might it's, feel a need I could see a person feeling a need to like put the record straight about what the world actually looks like. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it. Right. I mean, I don't know. It that is that's interesting thinking about why this would have gotten made from Vonda's point of view, because there's so little information about the people in this movie right. outside of this movie. Um, it doesn't seem like any of the Duarte's use this as a pivot. Um, no, I mean, she does appear to, uh, in the next movie he makes, it seems like. I right. just, some, which is just offhandedly something which I read. more or less a direct sequel to this. Right. So, yeah. Um, with Osis, we still had some of the semblance of it being a fiction movie, and we still had professional actress, um, professional actors involved. But uh, sort of everybody else here... Um. I don't know. There's just not a lot of no. I don't think anybody. To... It's. I mean, the movie, like one of the articles I I read, talks about in the next movie, and stuff like how much of the next movie seems, and we're gonna find out, obviously, but like, seems to be dealing with people, sort of talking about people dealing with the ghosts of the people that aren't, people in places that aren't with them anymore because, the project, the this yeah. like the. There's an ongoing project in the movie to tear down this entire area, and obviously, you know, when you deal with like heavy drug addiction, people are going to die. Um, Vonda's in the next room, and I keep saying room because I'm looking at Vonda's room as the title of this Wikipedia yes, page. Yes, yes. I can't stop saying it. Um, but like, and I don't, I don't know how many because like the the article I was reading was just speculating because like we have no information about any of the people. Like, there's right. basically no extant information about any of these people because none of them are treated as having any... Just because they appear in this movie doesn't automatically equate to the the world and the country giving them, like, viewing them with any value, right? Um, and so, no, nobody... I mean, I'm sure somebody who's very, very research-inclined might be able to find records and information, but... From a casual perspective, there's just no information out there. That gives us then to Costa's motivation for making this movie, which is its own. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, its own black box. Well, right? it's its own black uh, box. It, I, I, I have over the years 
gone back and forth on on documentary documentary makers and and their motivations yeah. and stuff. There's always something in my mind that makes it feel slightly exploitative, like no matter what, like no matter how good the intentions are, like it just feels that right. way to me. I guess probably because you start watching them with like things like Nanook of the North, which are just is just so right. fucked right, up right, and right, hyper. Right, right. It, it feels yeah. like it's born of a of a of a of a cursed tree. You know what I mean? It's sort of like it's yeah. always coming from this place of like. But then that can be true of lots of things, right? Like I I enjoyed studying anthropology very much as a student, but boy, howdy, does something talk about something being born of cursed fruit? Like, right, you know what right, I mean? Right. So I'm not I don't have much room yeah. to talk, but right. The you know, we covered this a little bit last week, but but sort of the quick version is um Costa was making actual narrative films. Um and he went, made one in uh Cape Verde. Uh and when he wrapped there, a lot of people involved with the shoot and that he had met while while being in Cape Verde, um Ask him to play postman and bring some stuff to immigrants who had ended up in this neighborhood in Lisbon, Fontenos. Um, and he came and he sort of, I don't know, fell in love is the right no, phrase. No, and I think that's where we're going to run into our problem. When I, I Which mean, is totally really where the problem is. Right. Like, yeah. I. I understand, you know, the story is the story, right? Yeah. And perhaps as I've as I've gotten older and things just feel like they get crazier, I've become more conspiratorially minded. But that that story just seems all very neat and tidy. Very like all the pieces of the puzzle fit nicely together and there's no Right. And right. and that what I my my problem with it is isn't is all just sort of in my head, but like my problem comes down to sort of a like what does like we we are struggling for the phrasing of like fell in love with it because you and I probably have the same sort of trepidations in our hearts yeah. about what you were asked to do this thing and you ran into this hyper disadvantaged community and then you're like I need to make a movie about these people and yes. that leap feels very exploitative. Right, like it feels very. Right. It doesn't have to be necessarily, I suppose, but it feels a little bit, just a little bit yeah. like greasy, right? It feels a little like, hmm, because these people, the people who and, asked you to take some like presents to their family and friends, weren't weren't asking you to go and make a movie about their family, right? <laughs> right? They were not yeah. telling you, hey, you should check out this neighborhood. Maybe you can make a movie about them. Um, and, but you saw, and like, I don't know, again, this is maybe just me being very conspiratorially brained recently with regards to this kind of stuff, but it's like, okay, maybe you thought to yourself, well, like people don't seem to be people of my ilk don't seem to be willing to acknowledge that this place exists and that people are suffering here. And I think that exposing that would be a very valuable thing to do that, you know, yeah. Maybe that's maybe we, right. And that that I can see that being as a as a as a good-hearted motivation, but right. But nothing nothing we've heard from him feels like it comes from an advocacy point. No, and very specifically in the right. documentary that we watched with him last time, 
It yeah, keeps, the interview with the interview it keeps like looping around, and we kept talking about how uncomfortable certain parts of it made us feel. Right? He kept still right. talking about the people who live there, the way that you talk about communities that for which you think that need to be that like oh the people here need to be fixed or something's wrong with them or there's like he kept talking about how lazy they were or like not work you know what i mean there's there's all this kind of like really right. uncomfortable language that doesn't that makes yeah. it feel more like when we watch something like this that it's they're being exploited rather than right. advocated right. on and behalf of things he says there pivot into this as as the true portrayal of the neighborhood in that he says uh, they didn't really work, and they all just wanted to hang out right. and uh, and do do drugs all the time. Uh, and like, this is this is a heavily disadvantaged neighborhood, and uh, and I use the term disadvantage there, perhaps in a way that uh, we use disadvantage as a as a euphemism. Uh, but I want to I want to use the word disadvantage with the understanding that that is a verb, and that they right. have been yes. made disadvantaged, right. and that someone has disadvantaged that society them. And, and policies and lots of things have been put into place to ensure that. The, well, I mean, we get back to, into talk about like the way that it's very easy. We talked about it last week. We get started talking about the ideas of like how like country or like countries. And 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 cities like Lisbon, places like this, need in order for the system that they operate in, the, the sort of modern capitalist hegemonic order, needs to purposely put people into these kind of positions to ensure that the system functions. Like, right? It's a choice that is being made actively to ensure. Well, we need a group of people for that of whom for whom we can take deep, deep, deep right. advantage of who are. Who are desperate enough to allow us to take advantage of them? Exactly, and it's, and it and we uh, have and you know, and we can see and actually it's interesting and I don't know if Costa is in on the game or not in the sense that like they talk the people in the movie in this movie do talk extensively about how fucked up the system that they are operating in is. Oh yeah, and that Absolutely. that part is really and interesting. Right, and it is also interesting that Costa's uh, ideological pivot. Um, from uh, from a you know cinema craft standpoint into through osis and into this is one seemingly of trying to eliminate the artifice between uh, director and subject um I don't want to get too far up my own ass <laughs> talking like this but right <laughs> um uh, where you know he has, and I think uh, I think the the Dennis Lim bonus feature on this episode um, on this film uh, gets into this a little, which bit. I did not get a chance uh, but, uh, to, to watch. I I yeah. had to check out because of previously uh, mentioned migraine that prevented <laughs> me from barely yeah. being able to function. Also, also, what happens this weekend? There's a lot going on in Japan right now. A little bit busy. Uh, <laughs> lots of things happening. Yeah, yeah, um, but uh, I. Yeah, Lim talks about. I'm I'm pretty sure he does. Um, Lim talks about the uh, the giving up of uh, the apparatus of of cinema 
of the crew, of a separate cinematographer even, of the lighting, of, of all that aspect. And we talked about last week about how Osis sort of stripped some of that out as a means of uh, responding to the neighborhood and fitting into the neighborhood without being a disruption, mm. right? And Costa here takes that lack of disruption one step further by shooting it himself on a handheld DV camera um, with uh, with the only the only thing modifying the natural light of the places he's sitting in uh, a mirror he found on his way to the shoot just in the garbage according to him uh, so you know he's working with some reflections that were not natural to the space but other than that just natural light um, and it's with, with the documentary style to this, that lends to a more sort of one-on-one intimacy with his subjects that if this were an actual document, actually a documentary would make sense and maybe be commendable. Not to say it's not commendable in that this isn't a documentary, but it's something different right. than a documentary. Uh, so because it's also fictionalized, I don't know. It's well, it's so that's that's the part. other thing about it is that like it's labeled as a docufiction and as docufiction and stuff, and you get into this kind of like weird like, but it doesn't make itself clear on what is or is not real, which right, I think right. is problematic. Right? It's shot in a way that makes that issue. more problematic. Right? Like I don't know. Right. What things being expressed are things that are purposely created, and which things are just part of the the world. The right. ra- I, it's that's a problem. I think it makes things worse, not better. Right. Right. Are these like the talking head statements of uh, a sixty seven, sixty eight Godard film, where it's literally Godard on an earpiece telling women what to say? Right. That doesn't seem to be what's going no. on here. Um. Are, but is what's being said crafted in conversation with Costa? Or is it really their, uh, the thoughts of these people he has found? Um, is it really... You know, this, it is obviously being shot by, while Fontenhas is literally being dismantled, right? Right. Uh, and that's not for production because there is no production. <laughs> there is right, just, right, 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 right. Uh, you know, we are in real places that are being uh, destroyed. Um, and it is documentary in that it is a picture of this real place that is being destroyed and of the right. people we can who are being that displaced that from living is, in there. is real, right? That that part right. is actual documentary right. uh, to that extent, right? Yeah. But, but what is real as far as what's going on, their relationship to the authorities— uh, you know, we get someone's arrested and they're going to visit them in jail. Um, as far as the drug use, are we actually watching people use? Right. Or I, is that fictionalized? I suspect the main, this is my suspicion. I suspect, especially those times when we see, and like we have a very loose grasp of who the people are in this in a lot of ways, right? They're not. Right, right, I right. didn't catch, many times I didn't catch any names. I don't know who. But there's several, quite a few times where we have several guy, a couple of guys, in their 
uh, like their room that they're sharing, this area they're sharing, having conversations with each other. Those kind of reek of being staged. Right. Or at least or at least guided. Like talk about this th- like similar to something like Grey Gardens where you're like where the where the director starts prompting people to talk right. about the thing that you want them to talk about. I suspect that's where we cross the line in the docu fiction, but who knows because it's not clear. And it's right. not made clear and to there us are... in any capacity. Right. The uh the conversation Vonda has with the bearded man on her bed about uh someone who's gone cold turkey and him trying to give up something and his mom stopped drinking and uh, and he's got those flowers that he offers her at the end, tries to sell them to her. And then when she doesn't have the money to buy them, just gives them to her. And he says, take them to take them to the graveyard. And she says, oh, you're not allowed to take real flowers to the graveyard anymore. You're only allowed plastic graveyards or plastic flowers. And then we get, we get an insert slot later in the movie toward the end of someone visiting the graveyard. And there's uh, we get a view of the sign that says no artificial flowers. You know, Vonda had it backwards. Right. Um, so one, their conversation is stilted in a way where it's either fictional or they don't know what it's safe to say in front of Costa. Right. And 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 I sus- and it really could go either really way. Could, and every single time it could go either way. Yeah. But I suspect um, there's probably a blend of both. I would I suspect right. that probably some things happen because uh, Costa sort of coaches them into yeah. talking about X or talking about Y. Right. Um, but the 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 flower conversation in regards to the cemetery is a piece of fiction. It has to. No, it absolutely is. It 100 percent is. Right. Um, and there's then, not. And that, and that sort of stuff is problematic, right? Because like, yeah. what is that trying to say, right? Like now we're suddenly ta- we're dealing with Costa's words essentially existing in other people's mouths, right? Which in normal fiction right. is fine. We accept that as the way it works, right? But like when you get into something like this, you're it, that line that line being blurry feels dirty, right? Because it's because of the way it's presented, you know. It, and obviously, what's not. I would find it hard to believe that it's shot chronologically, which is, and Costa is not a character within the film. Right. So, which, yeah, um, which is worse. So it's yeah. not, yeah, it's not framed like he's spending time in this area and exploring it or something. Uh, so, um, you know, there, it seems incredibly unlikely to me that he shot a conversation where Vonda is offered flowers and says, no, I can't take them to the cemetery because they're real flowers and the cemetery only wants plastic flowers. And then Costa happened to later on go to the cemetery with someone else and see the sign that that says right. that. It seems high. I no, mean, that's, it is, the of course, anything is possible, but it seems very, right, very right. unlikely. It it, yeah. it it prickles the hairs on your back of the neck to say, hey, this is somebody's bullshitting me, right? Like, and right. And that's, I would say that in a lot of ways, all of this amounts to me being more uncomfortable with this style than I was with something like Grey Gardens because at least I hear the narrow, I, I hear the filmmakers asking the questions, the leading questions. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. I know what engendered 
that weird ass conversation yeah. than a normal that normally that would not normally happen. Because I hear yeah. the question being asked. And of course there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I don't see and all that stuff. There's it's still bullshit. But like yeah. here, like I don't even know what qu- questions got asked to get them started down that line or whether or not those are words that are actually his words. Right. Like it's and so also with, uncomfortable. With Great Gardens, we understand who the Beals are pretty quickly. Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Right. With Yeah. With with this, it's just hard to tell. What exactly is going on from the subject's point of view? Well, I would argue that uh, th- this documentary, documentary, again, it's not even a documentary, this yeah. documentary does, in fact, purposely avoid, to a certain extent, characterizing the people. Like, right. We're not, we're, like, we aren't really invited to learn very much about them as people. We're yeah. more, it's more like, um, you know what it reminds, I will tell you what it reminds me of, I finally figured it out. Have you ever been it? on like um, YouTube or um, or like in, in a in a well, not that people go to uh, travel agencies anymore, but they'll like have those like things where just like scenes from X city, where it's just somebody yeah. shooting kind of semi candid shots of people in like Sicily or whatever, or like yeah, or Vienna yeah. or whatever, and they're like they'll have like an old fisherman sitting by the wharf and they'll show his face for a while as he looks out of the sea and then they'll pan across the ocean and then they'll cut over here and there's a man making bread. None of them talk. They're just, it's just, they're just right. people as scenery uh, in addition to actual scenery. And it's supposed to get you in the feeling of like, Hey, I want to go hang out in that place. Right. Right. It had like, to obviously a- this is different in the sense that like, this is not about a place that you should want that. Like it's obviously not a tourism promotion video. But it has the right. same but feel. It is, it is not so different in that Costa is. I feel like Costa's only real ideological point in making this movie particular is to make you feel what it feels like to be in this space. Right. But uh, it doesn't give you an is, idea of what it feels like to be these people. Right. Which I think right. is a fundamental failing of an un, of understanding yeah. what the it purpose a, of what you should right. be doing is. Right, right. Yeah. And um, it actually just kind of got a gender. I would argue, okay, sorry to, to keep going and like sort of run over you no, there. Please. But like I would argue that it is actually at best in that scenario a propaganda piece for the people tearing the buildings down. Not maybe <laughs> right, on purpose, right, right. but like if you show a place that seems terrible to live and you don't humanize the necessarily humanize the people who live there and focus on their lives and how they're connected to this space and how this space is important to them and why they why like they might care about this space existing uh they did, we get into it very slightly in this movie just a tiny tiny bit right. about the idea of like well where the fuck do we go now like nobody's right. telling us where we live now because we're all living in and 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 maybe those are close to those words maybe they're not because there's they, they talk about like not ever living in a place that is like a place you're legally allowed to live in um right like that you have a legal right to live in maybe those are coastal words and maybe that's coastal's gesture towards the idea of making a, a statement about like hey maybe tearing this place down without like a lot of making it clear to the inhabitants what will happen to them is is bad form and bad idea but maybe they're not maybe those are those the people who live there's words but my my point is is that by focusing on the place rather than the people 
you're almost creating a uh, you're almost creating the monster that that maybe you're supposed to be talking about, which is like, well, we should just tear down this terrible place where everybody's being forced to live. Right. Like if it, if the place um, is so bad, maybe we should just get rid of it. It seems like the yeah. like the the off the cuff poli- like politico answer of like, well, this place sucks. Well, we'll just tear it down. We'll build something better. And I feel like there's a very there is a very slippery slope. Uh, in the ways presented in this to uh, someone coming at this from a more uh, uh, neoliberal or conservative end to say these people only exist doing drugs. Uh, we need to destroy this place because it's a slum. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, like, all those inclinations are all come from, like, this sort of weird miasma that, like, the right. the world order that we exist in creates of, like, well... We have to, we're both yeah. criminalizing I, the behavior like that we're criminalizing the survival strategies of people, and then like also yeah. like going to take away the place where they can do the survival strategies that they need to do to live in the right, society right, that right. we created that only allows them this one particular place like to exist. It's it's yeah uh, because because it is uh, a project of mine to to understand these things. We have talked on the podcast in the past about the history of urbanism in Columbus. Uh, but one thing we really haven't touched on directly um, is that there's a certain highway in Columbus that when it was built, uh, displaced 300 families. Um, and the city did this actively as an urban renewal, slum clearing, their words, project. This was This neighborhood was viewed as a slum and they were destroying the slum uh, and building a highway, and <laughs> then everybody benefits, right? Um, but the city set up a family relocation office with offices in the neighborhood uh, so that you could find a new place to live. I have an article that I, I read last night from 1956, I believe, uh, lamenting the fact that there are over 300 displaced families, 198 of whom are non-white, and landlords who, despite knowing that they have a captive audience here and can charge whatever they want to charge, are not even interacting with the office because they don't want these sorts of people living in their houses. And in the moment of print, those 300-plus families had... 27 rental properties being offered to them through the office. Only three of which would accept children. What? Jesus. Yeah. Thinking about this sort of urban renewal slum clearing, uh, you know, in where it plays into in Vonda's room is, you know, that's actively what the government is doing here. You know, they are, they are destroying this place. Um, and there's no indication within the narrative of the film that there is even the uh, the pretending of a relocation office. No, like there, again, there's like an off-handed mention of uh, like, oh, like, I forget exactly what they say, but there's like at one point there's like an off-handed mention of like, oh, there's this other place that like yeah, maybe exists um, or something like that. Right. And, you know, we, kudos to Costa in that we do get, the conversations of, of people that do do seem natural to me. 
of people talking about this is not the life we want, but the life that we're forced to live. And, you know, um, the one guy, uh, I wrote down so much of what he said. I really loved it. Life has shown me nothing but contempt. Living in ghost houses, other people left empty. I've lived in houses not even a witch would live in, but I've lived in decent houses too. All the houses I've lived in were illegal, abandoned by other people. But if a decent person lived in them, they were decent houses before they were abandoned. Right. Um, but just talking about being being the the flotsam of society and living wherever there was a space to live. Um, and yet, this is... They're doing meager hand-to-mouth work because that's all they're able to get living in this place as, as well, right? Right. You know, it's... Uh, you know, perhaps if this were more of a narrative film, we would we would get to deal with someone who is waking up in one of these squatter holes, uh, and then getting a day job dismantling his own house. Uh, but, right, and I and I suspected that that I suspected that the that group of people very much existed. Right, like not their own right? house, but their neighborhood certainly. Like, yeah. Um, I bet there was a lot of piecemeal work being offered at the time. Like we kind of get something adjacent to that with like we, people like do a little bit. running to the like construction sites and taking various bits of stuff that like was left behind that door right, right, and right. stuff like that. Um, and then presumably yeah. attaching it to a building that will also then be torn down in some right, amount of right, time right. later. But Hey, at least yeah. it's a, a door is a door, right? Um, yeah, I don't I yeah, it's I I hope those words are that person's words and not Costa's words, you know. It it's or like maybe they're somewhere in between some sort of coaching in the sense of like like tell me about like X or Y, right? Um I don't know. I, don't know. I do th- I do think that the people who say those words have a have a better idea of why they should say those words than Costa would have of telling right. them. Right, and to that's say why I think words. it might it might be very well in between, right? Like maybe you wouldn't right. off the cuff say something like that, but maybe it's say like, yeah, you know, tell me about the kinds of places you've lived or something to that effect, right? Um, right. You know, it's it's just it's interesting because the thing that we is worth thinking about, not to kind of like change the subject or anything, but like a thing that's worth thinking about is the interview we watched with Costa happens after this movie and the next movie. Right. Which means the things that Costa says in there are kind of his final takeaway from the things he made here. Yeah. Which is which is what I think what's most alarming, right? Is that like in right. the end <laughs> right. he didn't necessarily see this as a call to action for some sort of justice or 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 change in the way society works, but rather just sort of like tourists. Right. Tourist, the touristy, tourist, I can't words like yeah. basically like did I mean, the tourist if, thing through it and like shot had, the videos and then left and then sort of like, well, got what I needed from here. Right. If he had framed this as anthropological, uh, we'd be mad at him in a different way. Yeah. I mean, but, well, I would, I would, <laughs> I would chastise him deeply, but like, yeah, but also, yeah, for a lot of reasons, but like. But also, it would 
it would have a classic problem, which is we would get into the conversation about that the, the anthropology and, and things like that have right, right. about all the time. It was like, do you have an obligation to do something to like, yeah, you know, I mean, I make think the world you exist in a better place. And the answer people pretty much have come on to is yes, you do. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I'd be less mad if Pedro Costa started calling himself an anthropologist in doing this work. Uh, than I was at Shohei Imamura for well, calling yeah, himself. I mean that, that was just that, that was <laughs> yes I uh, yes I agree yeah. with you, but it's all relative scale. We still pretty angry right, at right, him right, too, right, especially right. if he gave an interview in 2009 after that that was like that. I would <laughs> very angry. At yes, him. yes. But um, yeah, no, it's it's but yeah. Like I keep I I don't know. I mean, I'm really like I, there's parts about the ideas here that are interesting and good but like it i can't shake the weird uncomfortable feelings that this movie gives me and they're not because of the subject you know what i mean they're not because of, yeah they're not the feeling of like oh i hate watching this thing because of who or what it's about but rather like just these feelings that it gives me of like kind of like an uncomfortable right. ickiness about the whole thing yeah so it, a thing that kind of got away from me but but also put us on the conversation we've just been having. Um, one thing Dennis Lim says in in his little bonus feature is that, uh, and I don't know, I don't know if this is Dennis Lim presenting something Costa has said in the past, or if this is Dennis Dennis Lim's interpretation of okay. what is going on. So I'll clear it. I'll, I'll that muddies it, but but also clarifies, I guess. Um, because he's talking about this being a turning point for Costa as far as production goes. Um, and when he talks about giving up the, the whole crew of a film, film production, Lim says uh, that, that the, the productionness of Osa, Osos and prior films exasperated the power difference between the people in front of the camera and behind the camera. And I think from a documentarian standpoint, that's smart. Right. Uh, yeah. Know. If that's what your goal is to do. And yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, from a filmmaking standpoint, I guess less so because, well, unless you're dealing with, completely non-professional actors who have no uh, no desire to become actors in the future, which is actually, you know, <laughs> with many of the non-professional actors we've talked about in like the, the French and Italian new waves, uh, they ended up being people who actually wanted to be professional actors. They just Right, and then sometimes yet. they were repressive, uh, and that's just never going to work yeah. out. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, He's yeah doing that, right. giving up that that part of the artifice as a means of equalizing the power. But but is a good impetus, but I don't think it actually works out. I don't think it works out, and I would argue that like it's. I think it is a false and meaningless step, in the sense yeah. that like you, it makes. I think it makes the filmmaker feel better. <laughs> Yes, right, <laughs> and that's, 100%. And that's the problem, is I don't know that it makes any of the people on the other side of the camera actually feel better. 
Because honestly, yeah. it might be worse. Because when when it's a whole crew, you feel like you're involved in some sort of professional activity here, right? Like, and this is me just projecting my own thoughts on this. This is the, like obviously, but like when there's a whole crew and there's lights and there's people, you're you're involved in a thing being done, right? Yes. Whereas like if it's just a dude with a digital video camera, like. Who you still know, like, is going to go back home and sleep in his very, like, definitely not here apartment that is, like, you know, like, that he's going to use all this to make money. And it's going right. to make more even money he, than you're going to make ever. This, even, like, feels, even if he is staying here during production. He's not going to stay he is here still for the rest eventually of his life. going to yes, leave here. That, exactly. Yes. It, it's almost like, and I don't know, and this is me projecting, right? This is, I don't know anything about the ideas that were going through the head of anybody who was in this, in the, in this. But like, it feels that feels worse, because now it it kind of almost and I'm going to use a word that I did not think I was going to use in this. It takes on a sort of perverted vibe. Yeah. In the sense that like now it's just this one weirdo with a camera who's rich, like hanging out in your house, shooting video yeah. of you. How much is he paying you for it? Is it a living wage? Are you being paid a living wage? Because he's going to make a living wage worth of money off of this. Right, right. Off of your back, off the thing that is all about you and your life is going to pay all of his bills for X amount of time. It's not going to pay your bills, probably, because I suspect, I suspect most of the people in this are not paid anything. I don't know that. But I, I suspect it's the truth. Like I have a sneaky suspicion. Uh, and what you know, we'll never know. I will never know unless you find an article that explains whether or not they were paid or not. But but what I'm saying is like, it gets weirder because there's no crew. It gets it takes on this like, it makes it feel grosser, not less gross. And I I understand if you're trying if you have a true documentary impulse, I can understand why you'd be like, look, we're gonna. What was that one movie we watched? Oh crap! Um, was it, was her name Mira Nair? I forget her name now. I'm blanking on her name. That, that can't yeah. be right. Is Mira, that is that her name? Uh, that Mira she did Nair. with the um with the people working in the cabaret. Yes, you can. Yeah, that, that had that impulse also, right? Like I'm going to eliminate all the artifice that separates me from you, and that was very, that felt genuine and good and like important, right? Like that all felt very not exploitative it felt like oh the yes. only way we're all going to be comfortable here is if it's just me taking videos of you guys with whatever you feel comfortable sharing with me and that sort of stuff right like there's a very right. there's a very different vibe between those two things despite them basically like if you were to write them on paper being the same thing yeah well not quite because there's the the third act of that documentary that mirror documentary is visiting the home of one of their exploiters. Uh, right. Yeah. And, you know, he's not hes not a man with significant amounts of power, but he's a man with local right. <laughs> amounts of power, uh, localized amounts of power. <clears throat> um, so uh, this is a movie where, where the impoverishers are not seen. Or not right. they are they are nebulous. Or not. They are just whatever, right? Yeah. Like, well, it's actually decentralizing it to the point where you're like, it does still it goes further down that road of what we talked about about like earlier about 
like what what kind of thing would you be trying to imagine would result from your film and the only result you could imagine is like well people are going to look at this and be like well we should destroy that place that place is bad we should right. destroy it that only goes to kind of further that work by like well like we don't know why this place exists like it just yeah. happened well, if if in Rhonda's room and and is filmed while Fontanhas is being dismantled then I don't know. We haven't watched it yet, but but Colossal Youth takes place enough years after this to suggest that the dismantling has perhaps already taken place. Um, yeah. What I I um, mean, I read like a bit of a like the article I was read. Well, yeah. I I got really curious about whether or not Vonda was still alive. Basically, yeah. Uh, I feel I feel like that is a thing that most people who watch this movie will eventually ask themselves: is like, right, right. Hey, right. I would really like to know if this person's still alive. Um, and this was not but at least you know obviously she's she's in colossal youth and there whatever sort of miniature summary that they included seems to imply that it's pretty much not done yet but it's almost done and and he ends up visiting people who have been relocated as yeah. well as people who are still there in what remains of right. this area and and we read shared last week that there was a political response to the Fontenhas trilogy that uh, that seemed a lot of like a lot of political hand wring crocodile tear (laughs) crocodile tears for the cameras Um, but that you know there was if there is a political thing that happens here it it would be because costa humanizes the victims of this displacement right which i think he does successfully do um he just doesn't make them very round humans (laughs) right well but the thing the thing i want to i do want to talk about though is the fact that like i'm pretty sure the response was primarily to osos which wasn't about this relocation but was about like humanizing and also does a better job of humanizing the people in this place than this does in the sense that like by nature of being a narrative piece of fiction on its surface also tells a story that like people can like latch onto and and think about and say like is this really real and then like find out yes this is like a place right. and, and like we all knew it existed but like oh my god you know and that's the sort of thing that gets this kind of ball rolling right where you're yeah. like okay well we can't that's, allow this place to be this place anymore but the problem is is that like what's your solution to that and the answer is yeah. almost always well we'll tear it down and then we'll, we'll, we'll put the people who live there somewhere yeah. we'll uh we'll set up an office and <laughs> right, invite right. Exactly. Invite a uh, private enterprise to solve this for us. Right. And then when they don't, we'll shrug our shoulders and say, well, well we've, we've what tried what the, only thing, the only way uh, to fix problems that exist as far as we're, <laughs> as far as we're aware. I mean, we don't know. To be, what, to be fair, Columbus invented, uh, they did uh, build some uh, some housing projects well, out, yeah, but out of the end of that we're, too. But, we're talking about the yeah. general response, which is right. almost always, oh, well, I mean, if... if if capital can't fix it, then nobody can. Right. Um, right, right, right. But, like, you know, I mean, I suspect that there were still a lot of, uh, you know, those things, 
when they're conceived of in this way and stuff, they pr- tend to leave a lot of people behind and a lot of people fall through a lot of cracks, very much purposely put there. Um, and so, I mean, like, yes, this this might might have helped might have helped humanize the re- the sort of relocation efforts and some of that stuff. But it also might be too little too late. It's hard to know. You know what I mean? If if they're already tearing down buildings, then all the people in this that we're seeing should already know what's happening. And none right. of them seem to. And that's a problem, right? That, well, that's a big problem. I don't know that none of them seem to. Well, they seem I just very think very vague on it. I think, you know, we get the the stuff I've quoted directly already. I think that they know what's happening, but also know that they really have no place to go. Well, th- no, that's what I mean. Uh, I, did, I didn't mean they don't because, know that their buildings are right. being torn down. I'm, I'm saying that, like, there's a lot of implication in this movie that, like, nobody's really 100% certain that the that this new place exists and that they're actually right. gonna, it's going to be good or it's going to be a place that they're able to go to. And there's a lot of uncertain. Oh, there's a lot of discussion of housing uncertainty in this yeah. movie. A lot, Not just that one that you read, which is, like, kind of the sort of big sort of speech about it, but there's a lot of people talking about like, well, where will you stay? And like, where are you going right. to go? And like, right. If there's, if there is a narrative in this film, it is that, right. Uh, people's housing insecurities. And, and of course the, the, uh, the Duarte's clans drug issues and how that has, uh, manifested in their relationship to authority. Right. Uh, um, I mean, they. Uh, one so, of the things yeah, that I think is definitely staged is like one of the guys mentions living in a house. Li- this place used to belong to a woman who, uh, a girl who, like, sold her baby or something. That feels so hyper staged. <laughs> like, right. Like Just I got a call back a to my previous out. movie. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe. But you know, particularly with the with the the men, um, who are. Vonda's room is semi-permanent. Vonda's space right, is right. existent. Um, and it never feels like Vonda's family feels like they're going to have to move, right? Yeah, not they've yet. Got, they've got this space, and they're, you know, it's, it's full. Um, but it's full of, you know, produce that they're reselling. Um, you know, like the 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 small TV that they're watching whenever we're in the living room right. is uh, sitting on top of a broken larger TV. Right. Uh, you know, but they they exist in a space that feels like they're not going anywhere. Um, whereas the men are completely transient, even as we see them. Right. You know, they're not. They occasionally are in places we've seen them in before, but they are also just sort of around. Uh, yeah, and it's you know they are interesting characters too. The the guy who who keeps cleaning, he he crumbs the table, he sweeps the floor, right, right. And the other guy's like, oh, it's just you're. They're just going to tear this place down. Why would you clean it up? And, you know, he he talks about it just being wanting to have. There's no need not to be clean. 
I think is his is his yeah, reasoning to that there. Effect, yeah. But obviously, but obviously, you know, mentally, it is it is about the ability to control something, right? Um, and the movie does a good job of of allowing that to exist without putting a pin in it. And I think that's that's one of the stronger moments of the film right. too. Uh, and maybe you know people talk about this being a masterpiece, and maybe it's just I'm I'm connecting in that moment, and people are connecting in a lot more moments like that that I just aren't making. Yeah, I mean, I suspect so. they are, and and not to be not to be shitty, but I will be yeah. shitty because I am. Oh, um, by all means. When things get labeled masterpieces, one has to take into account the people who label things masterpieces. Okay, like yeah. who they are and where they come from and way they. They see the world. And a movie like this will fit into the sort of liberal, like, mindset in a very specific way that, like, makes it perfect, right? Where it where it exists because, it, it like, it does everything you need, they need it to do, right? You get, you get, sim- like, it, this is a sort of, I, mean, I don't want to be mean because, like, I am being shitty, but I'm not going to be this shitty, but I, I will say that, I can see a way where you could think of this as like, you know, uh, what what do we call it? Uh, you see it on Twitter all the time. Um, I forget what they call it. Something like maybe like uh, it's not. Is it like like tra- What is it like? Tra- no, is it tragedy porn? What do they call it? Uh, tragedy porn. I think is is probably. that the term of phrase? I can't remember. Like we're, yeah. we're like we're like we're like this thing that'll get a bajillion likes because it's like. This horrible right. thing, and there's some, and like it, it, it fits into the liberal mindset in a really specific way, that makes them, but makes them feel real, real good. Like it's like, oh, this is horrible. We got to do something about this. And then the answer is like, well, we'll tear it down. We'll put it something else. And, um, but what I mean is like that pulling on heartstrings is oftentimes enough to get like in a very specific way is enough to get a thing labeled a masterpiece sometimes, right? Like, if, oh, we, you, you, you put you, you shown a light on a thing that like is, has been ignored and, 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 and really told the true story of that thing. And, and that's sometimes just enough, you know, right. to like, to be like, well, this is, yeah. this is I don't, perfect. I don't even know. I don't even know that this gets labeled a masterpiece because of that. I think it's labeled a masterpiece because, uh, Costa is doing something. He's transcending uh, technically a new different art form. Yeah, right. and I think yeah. that's probably the main thing. Uh, I will say that that comes with a lot of that. Even that for us, I think, comes with a few caveats of like, yeah, it's an interesting thing you're doing here. It's also fucking with my understanding of like the borders between reality and fiction, which is not necessarily a thing I would see as a good thing. Right. Uh, yeah, well, that's and that's, also I mean, acclaim that, the acclaim section on Wikipedia seems to be of multiple minds about it too. Uh, I would yeah. say in that like, that, boy, we sure can't tell whether this is real or not. Yeah, the other problem of uh, of tearing down the power differential between uh, director and subject uh, between the sides of the camera is also tearing down. Uh, any semblance of what is truth right. between yeah, the two yeah, sides, yeah. too, right? Well, and and, um, and in that capacity, it's it. No, sorry, I keep like just like di- like yeah. talk like interrupting, but like 
in that capacity, right, one could almost argue that there is more truth in the in the full fiction narrative, right? Because you are just yeah. seeing what the director wants you to see, right? It is that director's truth being shown right. to you, right? Like it, it it is it is authentic in the sense that you, as the audience member, know this is what the director wants you to know. Like he's telling you his ideas. Here they are. He made a movie yeah. about them, or she made a movie about them, or they you know they made a movie about them. But like here. We don't get that, right? That, as you said, like that, that barrier that like creates truth is gone. Um, yeah, yeah. Eliminating that barrier does not create more truth. It just muddies the waters of what truth is. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. And it doesn't. It also doesn't. It doesn't really change the power differential. No, yeah, as we talked because about, someone's like, still, I'm, I, I, I've someone's still producing a product that's that going to be sold. They have, yes. they have a network to sell right. already. I, I am not going to mentally be able to leave behind the idea that like I can't conceive of all of these people being paid, and maybe yeah. they were, but were they paid equal to what like Costa ends up netting with like becoming right. more famous as a director and like, and like. And of course, that's true of all like Hollywood productions, but there's a reason why there's a Screen Actors Guild. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, there's a right. reason why it, it that that problem has existed for a long time in the production of art, especially art that features other people's likenesses and and acting skills and stuff. That like, you know, hey, it's it's important that the people who are making you this thing get paid equivalent to the you know. Their their contributions to the product, right? And so, like, I that power differential feels real, real big here, real, real big. Especially since Costa is able to go back X number of years later and make another film about this, what is essentially the same, roughly the same group of people, at least some of the same people, right? Um, yeah, it, it, like. You know, I we've talked about that kind of thing before, uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. I this this move movie made me deeply, deeply uncomfortable, and not and not in a good way. Like, I don't know that I like if if somebody asked me like, well, what are some I, like I don't know. It's just it's it. I want. I kind of wanted to like it. I came into it with a with an idea like, oh, this is going to hit on topics that I find engaging and and that I want to talk about, and kind of <laughs> we we do yeah. get to, but I also but it's always got this sort of like film on the lens as well, like you know this like sort of like extra layer on it. Right, right, right. It really boils down to me by by eliminating the the edifice of of film in how he's making this. Uh, he is, he is not actually leveling the playing field. He is just eliminating the gauge by which we can tell how level the playing field is. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and again, uh, I can't help but come back to the fact that like, it feels like it's more for the benefit of him than it is for the benefit of right. the people being filmed. Right. And I don't, I don't want to play him off, write him off, and say that he wouldn't do it unless it benefited him. Um, 
I don't really get the feel that those are the motives with which Costa has approached this. I think he is approaching this with, uh, without ulterior motives. Um, you know, he is approaching this because he wants to tell their stories, but I also just, I don't know. Maybe just, I feel like, I feel like what he believes his motives are maybe aren't all also aren't his motives. Right. Um, but, but then with the Gorin interview from last week, I also just don't know how much that's true because, because Costa has seemingly approached this with, with a sort of neoliberal mentality in a lot of ways too. Well, I, I, that, of that, I'm, of that, I'm purely certain. (laughs) Like, yeah. I mean, you don't you don't talk about people who are like you just don't talk about people the way he talks about the residents of this area like that unless you're coming from it from that sort of perspective. I I can't I can't you know right. That's, or I don't know my my only defense of the way he talked about it last week, and this this sort of falls apart with the fact that it's Gorin doing the interview, right? But my only defense would be that he is talking about it in the way that I would expect him to talk about it to Portuguese media or to international media. Yeah, I mean, uh, but like that, but right. that is that that unfortunately amounts to essentially a, a very strange slippery slope, right? Like if yeah. you talk to the people who you want to talk to in the way that they want you to talk to them, like that now we get into this world of like well who knows right like nobody knows anything yeah. like you are you you are to a certain extent you are what you eat right like in the sense that like if you're going right. to talk like a neoliberal to appease the neoliberals you are functionally like you are the thing you you are doing right like you're not hmm. like if you're if you're like I... saying things that are that are derogatory about the people that you're normally trying to help maybe in order to appease some some system that is the one that is destroying them, then like just go home. <laughs> I don't know. Do something else with like, cause that's, that's the same thing. You're just, you're, you're just perpetuating that system by, by nature, yeah. right? Like you're, it, it doesn't help anyone. It never, it will never help anyone. Um, I, and I, and I... My, my point is I don't think, I don't think it, it's possible that we could extract him entirely from motives in the sense that like I don't know that he in the end seems to necessarily care one way or the other. Right. In the right. end There's I feel like I think he thought he saw I think it may be that what I would consider maybe even worse is that dispassionate filmmaker who found an interesting subject worth recording. Which yeah. the the true artist, the pure artist who just saw something that like that like right. called to him and he needed to record. Yeah. And like I I I want him to have an emotional involvement with these people. That's what I'm saying. It's like I, uh, I hate that's yeah. the one I hate the most, right? And I think it yeah. actually might be the most true. Honestly right. speaking. Maybe. Whereas well because like that's the only way you get to those kinds of reactions that we saw without having your own sort of like previously like previously considered political motives, right? You're like, well, yeah. This was an, a group of interesting subjects. 
I, what am I if not a photographer of, of man and I must record interesting subjects? Right, of course, that always comes with biases that are all built in. They're probably all neoliberal. They're all probably already in his brain and have been for a long time. But, like, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know because you can't, you can't, like, you can't reconcile. Yeah, we also just don't know enough about his background no, to sort don't of know get that read of him either. As a person. I, we're operating right. on a very limited data set, but my limited data set in does involve him saying a bunch of things I thought were really problematic. Right, 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 right. Which, you know, on the one hand, uh, not knowing a lot about his background means that we can't, we can't bring assumptions about how his background would right. affect how he views these things. Uh, but just left, just left to his own words and his own words, the only, the only his own words we have are, the interview with Gorin that did not leave us especially uh, happy. Right. So, well, exactly. And so like uh, I'm yeah. left to sort of spin my wheels and I will, we will end up going off to where we go off to. And yeah. those were the words of like the neoliberal right. world order. Basically. Yeah. We have, we have one, one other place, I guess, where we can get Pedro Costa's own words. Uh, upon the release of the letters from Fontenas, uh, box set. Uh-huh. Uh He did a top ten for Criterion. Oh, okay. And we talked about the Criterion top ten list before. Uh, very rarely do we ring these up, um, mostly because they're very silly. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, they are almost because, exclusively silly. Yeah, because it came out in 2010. This is probably one of the few lists we've talked about in the past uh, that only mentions Criterion films we have already watched. Uh so there's, it's got that going for it. Right. So I want to go through this list kind of. Uh, I don't... Uh, we'll probably go through the whole thing. Um, I will say that because of uh, certain assumptions Pat and I have about other directors, uh, number one is going to be completely unsurprising Okay. To us. All right. Great. Number one on his list, uh, Jean Renoir's The River. Okay. Yeah. Which he describes as no bullshit sentimentality here, one of the most courageous films ever made. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah, well, you know, we got we've, we've the river also comes up in our so, yeah. in our conversations about you know, I think docu docu fiction is a great way to describe the river. Yeah. Um, that that leans maybe a little too heavily on the fiction. Um, that's, you know, I guess one aspect of this is that Pedro Costa is not from Fontenas, but is at least Portuguese. So there, yeah, there yeah, isn't that. Slightly better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's not traveling halfway around the world, you know, and even, even his previous fiction film in, in Cape Verde is examining, you know, or seems to have been examining, uh, Portuguese colonialism to an extent. Um, number two, playtime. Uh, Jacques Tati. Uh, he says, in a normal world, one would go out and walk into just any theater to see a, <laughs> to see a film by Jacques Tati or Chaplin. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The list is not very surprising. Uh, number three is Ozu's Late Spring. Um. Number four is When a Woman Ascends the Stairs. 
Number five is Bunel is the exterminating angel. Okay. Uh, six is Lubitsch's Heaven Can Wait. Uh, seven, Hitchcock's Notorious. Eight, John Ford's Young Mr. Lincoln. Um, nine is Dreyer's Vampire. And 10 is Bresson's Diary for a Country Priest. If I'm surprised by anything, it's that the Dreyer and the Bresson are not higher on his list. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I do uh, feel like some of those feel out of order for what I what is expecting, but not none of them are terribly yeah. surprising, per se. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. Number two being playtime seems very high for, for what what the rest of the list is, right. but, but who knows. Um, if this were a closet instead of the list, so, if it were Costa in the closet just pulling the things he sees as he right, sees right, them, right. I could understand this order a little bit more. But I, Here's what I will say, unrelated to what you're talking about, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, by all means. Is an, a, a, a cursory investigation of Costa's uh, Wikipedia page in Portuguese reveals that okay. there very much is an anthropological bent to all of this because he oh, no. is wanting to study, he is specifically interested in making films in the sort of visual anthropology sort of milieu, studies under a guy uh, who is also famous for that same thing, another uh, Portuguese filmmaker who is famous for being, among other things, listed as an ethnographer. Um, I don't know how... how accurate those bona fides are uh it seems like yeah. he's a film professor it seems like more of the the it does seem like all operating in that sort of like well i've got this degree in this other thing and i'm interested in this thing so i'm just gonna oh do right we did we did talk last week about how uh he had a history degree right he had or, a history degree but wanted to dedicate himself to filmmaking and seems to have gone down the line of like those filmmakers who fancy themselves ethnographers but oftentimes right. lacking the formal training to actually do the thing that they want to do in a way that is not problematic uh i don't know that that's true i don't know how much he said it doesn't mention any ethnography tra- like any anthropological training of any meaning here or in the other guys one but i who knows it just could be that like all these wikipedia pages are just very incomplete um uh, you know, but like my my point being that like this is very much a goal that he has set himself, and so have the other people uh, that he is sort of following the footsteps of. And I, it is, it often feels like this is the sort of stuff that makes me want to lose my mind, makes me want to start tearing my hair out. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's worth into too deeply but basically the the filmmaker turned quote-unquote ethnographer is is maybe my arch nemesis yes um and a thing i hate maybe more than anything on earth um and i don't see anything to indicate to me that that's uh yeah so like uh, yeah just a cursory glance at the at the portuguese of this guy too he is one of the Portuguese filmmakers who were inspired by the concept of visual anthropology, which is a very important well, turn uh, of phrase, which tells you a lot yeah. of information very quickly. That is, that sure is a turn of phrase I don't want to encounter. Because bear in mind, visual anthropology uh, being a an actual field of study that people put time and energy in learning about and and there's great and various disagreements about exactly how that ought to be done both historical and modern 
and and all that sort of stuff. But it's very important to note that all of them do actually study that topic <laughs> on purpose and don't just want to do things inspired by inspired by yeah. the works of X. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm agreed. Yes, and so here we are. I mean, my my point being is that like looping back, this version of this, this inspired by by anthropology, but not actual anthropology, just feels more exploitive to me because it doesn't have any of the guardrails that like that field of study has spent over a hundred years trying to put on the damn thing. You know what I mean? Very unsuccessfully, oftentimes hyper unsuccessfully. But there's been a lot, you know, over decades and decades, a lot of people putting a lot of energy into trying to make the field better. And a lot of making the field better involves recognizing the fucked up shit of the past and the and the things that are problematic about what's being done. And then trying to yeah. actively correct for that. And doing things in the style of X without any of those pre without any of that stuff is where you get into doing really problematic shit. You know, you don't even you're not even acknowledging any of those biases. You're not really even acknowledging that there's anything problematic about might be something problematic about what you're doing. Um I well we got here. <laughs> Welcome to the place that I kind of felt like we were walking down the road towards yeah, for quite a long time. Um, yeah, but hadn't hadn't had the information to arrive there yet. Yeah, and I mean, um, all, we, all we've got is like you know, uh, you know, the some Portuguese Wikipedia pages, but they dirt sure did say a lot. Yeah, and they're definitely not translation uh, errors because it's very straightforward. The language is not muddled in any capacity. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still interested in seeing Colossal Youth. Oh, yeah. Just because I I did really like Osos. I did. Uh, and and maybe it's the, the... I don't know. You know, Osos pulls punches as far as the drug use of the community might go. Um, but I don't feel like... I'm not like turned off by the drug use. Like that's no, that's fine. not the problem. That's, I I no. think you and I. Have, I, well, I, think, I maybe. T- go ahead. I maybe turned off by an idea that, and I don't think Costa is trying to do this, but there is an audience that would try to do this, even with how Costa films it, of using the drug use to pathologize these people as deserving what they get. Uh, I don't always, think that's you know, necessarily Costa's motive, right? But. I think when I talk yeah. about like this fitting perfectly into sort of a liberal worldview in a very specific way yeah. that would make people latch onto it and think like how great it is, I think that's part of it. Right? I don't necessarily think it's I about don't... like thinking they deserve it per yeah. se, but this idea of like identifying them as broken people that we have to like fix. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, whitewash anyone. Uh, because these people these people deserve compassion and justice no matter what they have done particularly particularly when the drug use is just an aspect of uh escapism right of yeah it's it's just they, another uh, sort the, of survival strategy the, and everything else yeah i mean like we get right. into like really like really obvious like 
criminalization of survival strategies where they start talking about the woman who's in jail for stealing bullying yeah. cubes. I mean, it it right. It's right. all interconnected, right? right? Yeah. She's in prison because um, she stole bullying cubes and they kind of they have this really sort of dark conversation about it, which is what my maybe my one of my favorite conversations in the in the movie is them yeah. kind of playing with it in the only way it feels very real to me this like they start kind of joking about like the first person ever in history to go to jail because of bullying cubes and there's a yeah. dark sort of like well we have to laugh because right what else are you going to do uh, yeah in this and moment? that and that you know that plays exactly into what we're talking about that you know the this idea of, well she's in prison for stealing yeah, but she still she still bullion cubes. Uh, right. Yeah, and, but she still and, broke and like, the law. And, and the problem right. is, is that yeah. that's the interesting it's, thing is like that's where the mindset falls apart for the audience of this movie is like you like will they ever ask themselves why did she steal bullion cubes? And then if they do, what what answer do they give themselves? And then the question is like, well, how do you fix a world where people are stealing bullion cubes because they need food? Well, the answer is never right. going to be. Well, we're going to we give them food. Apparently, it's tear down their house. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And Put I, them in jail and tear down their that's, house. Done. Problem solved. I guess. Right. That's really, really where this all falls apart to me is that it is, it is. Uh, uh, I'll put it in quotes, but an ethnographic look at the people of this community instead of a documentary on the status of this community and the means by which it is kept in that status. And that is what I want to see because that is a movie that has teeth. Right. And yeah. I don't know that this movie has teeth. No. Especially in the same way. Uh, but I don't know who would watch this movie and have opinions changed. No, I don't. I don't. I think all it does and is I, reinforce like, oh, yeah, yeah, like it's a good thing we started tearing those buildings. Right. <laughs> we started doing that. I don't, I don't, yeah. I kind of really I don't think, honestly know who this movie is for. Yeah. If I'm being I think a lot really of, honest. a lot of people will see this movie and have the, the Portuguese government response of, oh, we didn't know and throw their hands up. Right. And but then, y'all, and then, y'all done, you knew. Yeah, uh, you definitely knew. And then, and the reality of the matter is, is I think the, the, the follow on response is like, well, we need to get rid of that place because like somehow you've, you've pathologized a lot bad. I can't speak English, but you know what I mean? That place. Yeah. And like, well, that place is the problem to a certain extent, right? Like if we get right rid of the right. place, then the problem will might go away too. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And yeah, it's just, and the, the sad part is, is what, you know what it kind of reminds me of in that sense is that you, you mentioned like it's sort of being kind of, kind of having this, like his sort of, bent on an ethnography and stuff it reminds me of like yeah the ones from like 1935 or whatever where it's like yeah where it's like just this sort of weird sort of hyper exploitative thing that doesn't that hasn't gone through all the 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 thought processes and revisions that deal with the ideas of like what what's what you're doing what your goal is what you're hoping to accomplish and like because you know it just it's just like well i filmed these people here and uh right right and it's just, I don't know, it, it's its like the non-profit approach to solving this it, problem. It, it, well, that's it's, what I'm saying, is it all falls into the same yeah. sort of, this movie, fit, I'm telling you, this movie slots into the, the into the neoliberal political order like a puzzle piece. 
It's right. exactly, exactly what that system wants. Is yeah. it's like it's it is a call to action to do jack all. <laughs> you know, it's like oh well, well this look at this this place we had no idea it existed. Well, what are we going to do about it? Well, I mean, we got to get like, and then before you know it, you're talking about the place, and then you got, and then anytime anybody wants, even remotely suggests, like, well, maybe, like, maybe there's like real problems that need to be addressed in society, it comes down to, well, you know, but it's just a bunch of drug addicts at the end, right? Like, right. it'll never and go just, far enough to fix anybody's <sighs> problems or, or fix right. society in a way that would make people's problems like, not be problems anymore. It, it's just a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, maybe we're projecting on Costa for lack of information because so many other films we've seen in the collection already that deal with things adjacent to this also come with an aspect of uh, the material conditions of the people in the film not changing. Even even if production promised they would help change, right? And I, <laughs> and I think of uh, uh, that Herzog movie, um, right? Right? Yes, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't want to because I know so little about Costa. I don't necessarily want to project too much of my negative feelings. But he has also not offered me anything to negate those feelings. Right. And, and, you know, as far as I, you know, I agree with you and like on a very like, um, I don't know, sort of a root basis of like, yes, you're right. We do not yeah. know enough. I agree. But boy, sure, how did that Portuguese Wikipedia t- page tell right, me a right, lot right, of right. what that, I needed to know? To, that, to, to, that does to, some work for us. To sort of reaffirm my feelings about what I saw. Um, that really it, it didn't it didn't help me uh eliminate any of those right. feelings it just sort of sort of cemented them for me um and i could be wrong like i mean i'm reading it it's a portuguese it's a translation of a yeah. of a portuguese that is... but sure boy I, you know when i i translate a lot of stuff in my life and very rarely are the sentences this clear <laughs> right that's another aspect though is that you know the like the Herzog thing is within a documentary about the making of that movie. Right. Uh, the, uh, the, the Imamura stuff. We just have hours and hours of Imamura himself talking about his work. Right. Uh, right. Well, Im- Imamura's is so, uh, is, is almost a special case in that situation. Yeah. Right? And you know, even it's just, we have a very limited amount of information on Costa and it, and an extremely limited amount of information from Costa about his own motives here, uh, and yeah, it just what I have doesn't feel doesn't feel good, right? So, and it's all it's all I've got. So, uh, hopefully, after next week, I feel better about it. But yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no. Yeah, I maybe. Hopefully, yeah. I hope you're right. Um, yeah, it, it's. I'm. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I got distracted a little bit reading a little bit more, and so I clicked on the link of the people that Costa was sort of like mentor, sort of like followed in the footstep of and mentored. And they're all of exactly the sort of age of the sort of people who saw those like 1930s, 1940s, you know, 30s like 
ethnography film kind of like documentary yeah. things. The really, really problematic ones, and then like apparently seemingly latched on to that it being like again, it didn't progress with with the with the actual field itself. But rather latched right. on to the the visual style of that like that thirties thing that like trust me, you could go watch a bajillion of them. They they they're 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 problematic. Uh they're upsetting. Um and like really feel like they just sort of like saw that as youth, right, when they were coming up and like interest getting interested in film and then latched onto that style and then it sort of sort of perpetuates itself as sort of a separate branch off of actual the actual field as its own sort of separate uh monstrosity. So uh, it's it's yeah. neither here nor there, but I just the more I dig down this Wikipedia hole, the more I kind of understanding well, exactly the sort of order of events that yields this sort of thing. All right. Let's uh let's stop the episode before you dig too too <laughs> further down into it. Um actually one more one more sort of technical aspect of this. Uh because it is it is kind of interesting. One of the bonus features on this is uh um I forgive you for not watching this one either. Uh but it's it's called Little Boy Male, Little Girl Female. I did not And it is a 2006, um, which would have been, yeah, after Colossal Youth or, or with the release of Colossal Youth. Um, it's an installation piece, and I don't know where it was installed, um, that uh, Costa put out, and it's sort of cut footage from Invanda's room and Colossal Youth. Uh, and it's it's played as a camera playing in in the exterior uh, and a camera playing in Vonda's recording in Vonda's room. And we get both of those images side by side. Um, and occasionally they switch it up to where it is. It's like, uh, I think there's like a half hour of footage or so. Uh, and I don't know how physically it worked, but from what I've read about it, viewers were invited to, to edit the images themselves. And I don't know if that was a mental exercise or an actual physical thing they, they could do digitally or whatever as part of the installation. Um, but it does there is a lot of footage right um uh he he shot this movie over the course of a year uh and he was shooting for six months before he had a sound guy come on board and it was uh it was six more months with the sound guy recording recording presumably all of the talking bits then uh which also says that this definitely isn't portrayed to us in the order it was shot. Right. right? Um, and then he edited for a year as well, uh, which is actually kind of weird considering he was shooting on DV uh, because that, I don't know, that whole style just feels like he'd spend his evenings editing. <laughs> right. You know, that's like the point of, of digital filmmaking as far as that right, goes. But bear I in thought. mind, this is not but, the digital filmmaking that you and I are thinking of. This is like yeah. digital videotapes. 
where like yeah. like the camcorders you and I had like in that we could get a hand our hands on in high school, right? Where it's right, like recording right, right. digital video to to magnetic tape. Which yes, yeah. you can do that with, but no, then you fair. need like equipment. It's not just gonna plug it into a computer. You're gonna need like I mean you could you could use the tape the recorder to like also be a playback into what I mean is it's a bit more complicated than that, right? That's fair. It's more um, about space saving and not needing a giant ass like film camera, right? Yeah. Yeah. The essay, the Criterion essay does, in talking about the year of shooting, year of editing, it does say that this was made with no money. And I don't know, again, not knowing enough about custom, about production. Is he coming at this with no money? Uh, absolutely. Or is he coming into this place with no additional funding? But if he fails, he'll still land somewhere. Uh, and I don't know. There's there's privilege in being able to to do that, right? And does he have that privilege? And that's a question that's still sort of in the air. But considering he's already made at least what three released narrative films. It seems like he should have a cushion, right? Uh, even if he did start from nothing. So, I don't know. I don't know what to what to think about Costa at this point. Um, we've got one more movie from him with Colossal Youth next week from 2006, finishing off the box set and finishing off, I believe, all of the all of the Pedro Costa we will ever see from the Criterion Collection. Uh, so yeah. Um, I guess I look forward to that just to to figure out whether or not I ever need to think about this guy again. I mean, I so. suspect the answer will be no, uh, just because also, yeah. like, considering the nature of our project, but also, like, I don't get the impression that he made a whole bunch of other stuff that, like, we would so desperately need to see. Yeah. Fair. Uh, well... Thank you for listening to Lost in Criterion. Uh, I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oyatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.